1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W., Chuck Bryant, and Jerry in our uh, germ-free, sealed-off recording booth. In Atlanta. I assume this is isolated.
2: Yeah. I don't think it's uh, a biological safety level
0: four venue. Would you say maybe three? I don't know. I think we're probably zero. Have you ever been to the CDC? No. Um, they have, you can go into their lobby. There's like a lobby museum, couple of stories with yeah. it, a lot of interactive, uh, interactive exhibits. And, um, Yumi and I went and she tried on one of those, um, biological safety level four suits. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I got a very cute picture of her in one. They probably swallowed her up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Did they have extra small? <laughs> uh, I think it had one size. Yeah, it was just kind of drooping down. But um, it's a really neat museum. If you're ever in Atlanta, I strongly recommend going to the CDC. Yeah, I'm going to wait.
2: Well, not but, that I'm paranoid because we'll talk about how you can get Ebola, but it's still... uh you know I'll just I'll just
0: wait. I, I don't really blame you. yeah. I mean the those two patients there are two patients in Atlanta right now for those of you who have been under a rock lately, right um, who are being treated for Ebola apparently successfully, yeah, through a um, at the time an unapproved drug yeah um, or therapy, I should say. and they're at Emory though. They're not at the CDC. Right. The CDC is only dangerous because, you know, they keep anthrax in unlocked refrigerators (laughs) and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And, hey, we want to thank Jerry for speeding this one through. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Jerry. We got a lot of requests to do this, obviously, because it's timely. And uh, we waited a week, and there's been some new developments, and there will be more in the coming weeks, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, we're recording
0: this today, and it's coming out on Thursday. And, And, like, it's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. So, bam, it's dropping. That's right. Um, so there's people in Atlanta with Ebola right now, and those people came from Liberia. There are a couple of missionaries, and they were flown back to uh, America to be kept in isolation units at Emory.
2: Yeah, with controversy surrounding that move.
0: Well, yeah, because if you're a utilitarian philosopher, Mm -hmm. that was a monstrously stupid thing to do. To to voluntarily bring Ebola into the United States. Yes, and you, you, there's a good chance that you will save the lives of two people but you also threaten the lives of several hundred million people sure. who may not have ever otherwise been exposed to the virus. Yeah. So I'm not one for like panic and especially not fomenting panic. Of course not. Um, but just if you are, if you understand utilitarian philosophy, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But yeah. we're compassionate humans, not robots. So utilitarian right. philosophy doesn't usually go over that well.
2: Have you seen contagion? Yeah. I think we've talked about that on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh Reading all this stuff, really, like, Soderbergh kind of nailed it. Yeah, he did. And uh I believe in that movie it became Airborne, though, which is...
0: Was but, it Ebola in the movie?
2: Well, no, I don't think they... It
0: was something similar?
2: Yeah, I don't even think they named it because... Oh, yeah. So they could take a little bit of uh, fictional license. Yeah. Or maybe they named it, but I don't think it's Ebola. But it, you know, started with a fruit bat and... You know, transferred. We'll get to all that
0: stuff. Yeah. That one scene where Gwyneth Paltrow has that fruit bat on her face and she can't get it off, <laughs> it's Not riveting. Very scary movie, though, man. It is. Outbreak was pretty good, too. I haven't yeah, seen it, it in right. many, many years, yeah. but I liked it at the time. Yeah. It was alright. It was okay. Not as good as Contagion. Dustin Hoffman? Oh, he, sure. he plays an epidemiologist like no other. He's great. Uh, okay, so let's get down to it, man. Let's talk about Ebola. It's... Uh, as far as discovery goes, it's a relatively new player on the deadly virus infectious scene.
2: Yeah, I guess we should go back to 1976. Um, it's actually named for, and I didn't know this, the Ebola River mm-hmm. in the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, which um, I imagine that river doesn't see a lot of traffic anymore <laughs> with that name. But uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that they discovered it in the river or anything like that.
0: No, it was just the region. Yeah. And at the time, that country was known as Zaire. Yes, And even still, there's a strain of Ebola known as Zaire-type Ebola, and it's the deadliest of all. Yeah, each of
2: the five strains are named for the uh, origin, country, or area. And uh, in this case, uh, a man named Mabalo um, sought treatment for a fever in 1976. Uh, they thought it was malaria, which a lot of times they still mistake it for malaria mm-hmm. or other diseases. So they treated him with a shot of quinine. And said, this should make you feel better. Let me reuse that needle because it's Zaire and we're underfunded, uh, medically speaking. Yeah. And uh, that, of course, spread. And before you know it, relatives, friends, after performing burial rituals where they have close contact with uh, bodily remains and fluids, people started dropping like flies. Yeah. It's so, really scary.
0: There's – so, and then that was – They think he was patient zero, or at the very least, he was an index patient, which is the first. What's the difference between an index Maybe patient zero is like the first person to ever contract it, and an index person is the first person in an outbreak, I believe. It's possible that Mabalo is both. He could be patient zero and the index patient for that particular outbreak, but the patient zero for all of Ebola.
2: Yeah, and in this case, in 1976, 91% of the 358 people uh, died and uh, it, uh, kind of a near-simultaneous outbreak happened in Sudan, and 53% of uh, the 284 died in Sudan, which is pretty good because it
0: generally kills about 90%. Okay, so that's Sudan-type Ebola. It's less deadly than yeah. Zaire-type Ebola? By about 40% in that case. <laughs> yes, but even still, you're talking 50%. That's way better than 90%, but yeah. consider this, Chuck. I looked this up. You know the influenza um, of 1918-1919? Uh, sure. The Spanish flu, I think is what it's frequently oh, called. okay. Back then, there, something like, I think, 20 million to 40 million people died in one year across the world. Wow. Okay? The, the average life expectancy in the U.S. dropped by 10 years that one year because of that one flu. It had a mortality rate of only 2.5%. Wow. Ebola has a, a mortality rate of 90%.
2: Well, yeah, that's why it's so frightening, because if it became uh, airborne and, or uh, aerosol and widespread, mm-hmm. it uh, could eradicate like the planet. Pretty much. Of human beings.
0: Luckily, it's only been shown to be able to spread via aerosol, like through the air, among monkeys. That's kind of cold comfort, though, if you think about it. Because no, totally. We can get it from monkeys, and if monkeys can give it to each other like that, then who? that's terrible. That's bad stuff. yeah. The, the reason why they think Ebola has not spread as one, because you can't catch it through the air. Yeah. But also kind of chillingly, it kills people too fast yeah. for them to infect that many other people. Yeah. One of the problems, and you, it, you, you mentioned it in that story about Mobalo, patient zero, or at least the index patient from 1976, um, in Central Africa, there are a lot of burial customs that require, like you said, the family and friends of the, the deceased – to wash the body. Yeah. Sometimes to clean the waste and food out yeah. of the body. Yeah. And, um, to not use protection or gloves or anything like that.
2: Yeah. Like contact with the body is key.
0: Right. It's a part of the ritual burial. Yeah. And it still is like even during this outbreak now, you have like world health organization people going from village to village saying, do you have any dead that we can take away to bury? And they're like, no, no one's died here. And they're literally hiding the bodies. Yeah. Cause they don't want their, their deceased to not be honored in the way that they should be based on custom and tradition. The problem is, is this custom and tradition is also simultaneously spreading yeah. the Ebola virus.
2: Yeah, I mean, just something like that. If they could just talk them into at least like wearing gloves or something, mm. like any little bit would help.
0: Yeah, At this point, yeah. So um, you said there's five types of Ebola.
2: Yeah, uh, I guess we should talk about the phylovirus family. Uh, because Ebola is a virus and it is a phylovirus, uh, which isn't that different from any common kind, of, kind of virus, uh, actually. But it is a worm-like particle that's described as, uh, hooked, like a
0: shepherd's crook. Or a six or a U.
2: But you mentioned the, uh, the five different types and they're, uh, named after the region of their origin. Uh, the Zaire and Sudan strains that we talked about. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Bundabugyo. Nice. The Thai forest.
0: Formerly the Cote d'Ivoire.
2: And the Reston type, uh, as in Reston, Virginia, which is, uh, you might think, what?
0: Yeah. But it's true. Yeah, there was a a shipment of crab eater monkeys that came out of the Philippines, which is uh, the origin of the Reston type Ebola virus. Yeah. Um, And they were sent to a lab, a testing facility in Reston, Virginia. And um, a bunch of the monkeys started dying. Actually, two shipments, I think, of monkeys died from this. Wow. And in the second shipment, some of the monkeys infected some of the humans, and the humans contracted the virus, but nobody showed symptoms. So we right. found out that the Rustin virus, humans don't respond to.
2: Yeah, it's not deadly at this point, at least. Yeah. Which is great. Um, <laughs> it is great. But. <laughs> One less deadly Ebola virus is definitely good news. Yeah, seriously. Um, all of the genetic information though from, uh, Ebola is, comes from RNA instead of DNA like us humans. And it's really pretty basic compared to us. If we have 3 billion, uh, base pairs of DNA, there are only about 19,000, uh, number of RNA in a phylovirus. Mm-hmm. Which is,
0: uh, you know, it's pretty basic. Yeah. And the RNA actually is basically, like with any virus, it's just there to say, here's the instructions to replicate me. Yeah. And, uh, here you go. And they, the virus. The Ebola virus spreads like any other virus where it basically enters a cell. Yeah. It injects that RNA, which in turn hijacks the processes of the cell and turns it from its regular duties into becoming a replication machine for this virus. And it turns out all of these um all of these different uh virus particles, virions, I think is what they're called. Um and those things eventually overwhelm the cell. And if it's an enveloped um virus like Ebola. Yeah. That means that the virus can go in and out of the cell membrane because it's surrounded by like a fat lipid coating. Yeah. Um, it can go in and out of the host cell without destroying the host cell. A naked virus goes in, injects its stuff. It takes over the host cell, which makes so many that the host cell just ruptures. and then that's the way that the the other uh, viruses are released with the Ebola virus. It just basically secretes in a really gross way, but a yeah. cell that's been hijacked secretes new um, Ebola viruses.
2: Yeah, and it uh, I mean a lot of this is still a mystery that we're figuring out, but they do know that it can infect a lot of different types of cells, but mainly uh, attacks uh, the immune system. And then from there, it travels to the lymph nodes and then the spleen and the liver through the bloodstream. And uh, once it's in those cells, it's going to release a bunch of nasty chemicals. Uh, they think it's related to the closest to the measles and the mumps, actually. Yeah. Which um, all that stuff is helpful in trying to figure out cures.
0: Oh, yeah. So they think, from what they understand of the Ebola virus now, is you contract it um, through contact with body fluids? And yes. it gets into your mucous membranes or breaks in the skin. And once there, it shows a preference for immune cells. Like it goes after, talk about an aggressive virus. It goes after the very cells that are meant to destroy it. Yeah. And it messes with them. Depending on the type of cell, it'll um, either make their function go haywire, which accounts for like a huge immune response, or it will shut down like a, an immune cell's defenses, Right. Right. So it makes your immune system go haywire, but also prevents your immune system from mounting a defense, which is why you're in so much trouble if you contract Ebola, because it just goes after your immune system. And then once your immune system is suppressed, uh, it goes after other cells, like uh, epithelial cells or endothelial cells. Yeah. So like connective tissue cells or yeah. um, n- neurological cells, cells that line the um, the uh, interior of your blood vessels, which makes your blood vessels weaken and start to bleed internally um and it it, it, then like you said it goes into your liver and your spleen and just hijacks everything there ultimately leading to tissue damage and then organ failure
2: yeah that's how you will eventually die is multi-organ failure and shock um and you know you mentioned the uh the antibodies that's typically how they test yeah for ebola now is to looking for the antibody instead of the virus but like you mentioned it may have suppressed the immune system such that they can't even detect it. Right. And the the only tests they have are expensive and they're tough to transport, uh, require machinery. So it's not the kind of stuff that uh, they're sending over to West and Central Africa for the most part. Yes. Sadly.
0: So it makes it – the fact that it's in um, often very remote locations, that the outbreaks have been kind of um, uh, contained, I guess – They've been relatively small. Um, I think something like 2,500 people out of uh, 25 outbreaks since 1976.
2: Yes, yeah, I have uh, 3,000 cases and 2,000 deaths.
0: And that's up to the minute, like the, it includes this current outbreak? Yeah, this was like from three hours ago. So that's, I mean, that's a, if a lot of people, especially if you live in Central or West Africa. But if you're looking at the grand scheme of things, especially for as virulent as this virus is, uh, that's not that many people. So the fact that it's so contagious yeah. that it's hard to get and that it's hard to detect makes it very difficult to work on Ebola, work on a, a vaccine, work on a, um, a treatment for it that kind of thing Well
2: and sadly like I know this isn't hundred percent across the board, but pharmaceutical companies develop drugs that will make them money yeah uh, they're not in it f- for curing the world of rare diseases that number in the hundreds or low thousands and basically there's it's it's tough to admit it but there's not a market for these vaccines uh, a, a money market. Yeah, which is a big failure for humanity.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, it takes the the threatened life of two American missionaries to really get the pharmaceutical industry going, and yeah. that's exactly what's happened.
2: All right. Well, let's um, take a break here, and then we'll talk about some of the actual symptoms right after this message.
1: Stuff
2: Okay, you're gonna know if you have Ebola. Oh, well, actually, you won't know for a little while. That's what's kind of scary. Yeah. Is it may, you may think it's something else, but when it enters your body, uh, it's gonna kind of just sit there silently for 2 to 21 days, typically about 4 to 10. And then you're gonna start noticing, uh, fevers, uh, headache, chill, um, joints aching. You're gonna be really tired. And then that's when you, Will likely be misdiagnosed, right? With malaria or something else,
0: maybe dengue fever. Yeah, uh, maybe yellow fever. But typically, malaria is the one that they go with because the the central and West Africa are so you know there it's lousy with malaria anyway. Yeah, exactly, and it looks exactly like malaria. It it's after a couple of days of showing symptoms that it starts to become apparent that possibly it's Ebola. And the reason why is because you take a very sudden, very sharp turn for the worse after after the first couple of days of showing the normal flu-like symptoms.
2: Yeah, then you're going to have um, bloody diarrhea, uh, jaundice, uh, really bad sore throat. You're going to vomit. You're not going to be hungry. And then once you have symptoms for about five days, uh, about 50% of the victims will develop rashes on their shoulders and, like, chest area.
0: Yeah, and... That's the second stage. There's still yet a third stage. It's about this time where, um, you, if you are going to have large amounts of bleeding, this is where it's going to start to happen after several days. Um, apparently, in very aggressive cases of Ebola, like the Zaire type. Yeah. You can die like in six days after symptoms. Yeah. Which is extraordinarily mind bogglingly fast for something like this. Yeah. Um, and the, thanks to our friends at the movie Outbreak, when people think of Ebola, they think of people like squirting blood out of their eyes. Right. Um, there is typically, some sort of internal bleeding with Ebola. It is a hemorrhagic fever
2: after all. Yeah, about 50% of patients will have this uh bleeding mainly in the gastrointestinal tract.
0: Right. So, but it's not going it's not coming out of your eyes or anything like that. But it is a result of the Ebola virus going after those endothelial cells, those cells that um make up the structure of the blood vessels yeah. and going after the tissues and the organs and um just degrading them basically. It's also a part of your immune response. Like you can have an over inflammation as a result too. So all this stuff is adding up to you bleeding internally. Uh, and we should say though, Chuck, like you're not going to bleed to death. Um, people who die from a bullet typically die as a result of, um, that internal bleeding may lower their blood pressure and they'll die from hypotensive shock.
2: Yeah. So I mean, what happens is your, your, your blood tries to clot thanks to uh, proteins and there's so much clotting going on and so many proteins hard at work it can't keep up essentially and once the tissue damage starts those proteins are busy and your bleeding is uncontrolled at that point right and And it's very sad result
0: speaking of proteins uh ebola makes a uh two types of this one specific protein a glycoprotein and one is pretty straightforward it allows the um ebola to move in and out of a host cell yeah the second use of the um the uh, it's called secreted glycoprotein SGP. Yeah, that stuff basically goes out and hushes the immune response. It says, "Shh, you be quiet, be still." And it just basically goes and shuts down the the antigens, is what they're called that come after yeah. things like Ebola and kill them. And it basically just ties them uh, it ties them up and gags them. I know. Isn't that it just crazy?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a nasty, nasty virus. Um, what we know about it right now is, and this is one of the other scariest parts, is that uh, they are still not for sure where Ebola hangs out for the years that it lies dormant in the world. Because it doesn't go away. If it went away, it wouldn't come back. It just means it's out there somewhere in a reservoir, in a host. Uh, it is a zoonotic disease, so it occurs naturally in animals, but obviously is transmitted to humans. And, um, like I said, it, it doesn't go away. Uh, what, what they have to look for and what they've tested and killed <laughs> scores of animals, uh, doing is to see if an animal can survive the virus. Because if they can survive the virus, they are a good candidate to be the host.
0: A reservoir.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, so they've tested all kinds of animals and what they're, pretty sure of, but still not a hundred percent sure of, is that it is the fruit bat.
0: Yeah. It looks a lot like the fruit bat. The reason that they've been having such a hard time finding it is because from after the nineteen seventy six outbreak, Ebola just like went silent until the nineties, till there's another outbreak in the nineties, which is really suspicious as far as epidemiology is concerned because Th- that's not supposed to happen. So it made them think that maybe there was some exotic animal or exotic plant or yeah. something that was acting as the reservoir. Um, but now they're starting to think more and more that, yeah, it's the common fruit bat.
2: Yeah. Because they, uh, fruit bats can have the virus and not get sick. And that is, uh, and they've, you know, fruit bats are in locations where they have the index cases. Yeah. So it's also sort of always pointing toward the old fruit bat.
0: Yeah. Plus, you can get, they've shown um, that Ebola can be transmitted through bat guano, which is bat poop.
2: Which is what happened in uh, Contagion.
0: Was it bat poop? Yeah. That scene where um, Gwyneth Paltrow is eating a bowl of bat poop
2: on a bat. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I think it was through a bat, through a pig, that eventually found its way to a restaurant. Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah. The way that movie unfolds at the end, man, is just chilling. yeah. So like we said, we know how it's transmitted, uh through first human to animal contact, then the infection and then through, you know, bodily fluids and secretions. And uh dirty needles is the biggest culprit though, and depending on how you get it uh could affect the outcome. Uh if you have gotten it through a needle, you have 100% chance of dying since 1976. Um, if you've gotten it other, uh, like through other contact, um, it can be about 80%. So I guess that's where they come up with the 90%
0: rate. Yeah, I think the 100% rate was for the 1976 outbreak specifically. 100%. Yeah. 100% of people who transmitted it via needle in that outbreak died. That is insane.
2: Yeah, and uh, the incubation period is different too three to six days for a patient if you're stuck with a needle. Versus five to nine uh, for contact exposure
0: yeah so chuck we're going to talk about how to uh prevent the spread of ebola up next and what's going on right now with possible cure
1: Sufficient. hey sarah i'd love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was edited so well i think you're so talented
2: So, up until uh, recently, when we had these uh, patients shipped over to America, your only chances of contacting Ebola is if you went over to Central or West Africa, um, which a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. A lot of people live there as well. uh, And they suggest that if you find yourself over there, you not dwell in forests or caves, because that's where the fruit bats are.
0: Well, plus you can contract it from gorillas and stuff, too. Sure. So you shouldn't eat bush meat. Shouldn't touch dead gorillas.
2: Shouldn't touch dead animals, period. Try yeah. Try and limit that contact.
0: Yeah, that's probably a good idea.
2: And, of course, um, if you're over there working as a healthcare worker or uh, if you're just over there working or living, you should avoid any kind of reused needle. Yeah. Because that's – you're gu- guaranteed to get it almost.
0: So we mentioned already the um, burial practices that are uh, becoming a vector for disease, uh, the spread of Ebola. Um there's also a couple of other factors that are coming in, into account. They the, they think that if the fruit bat is the uh, reservoir for Ebola, um, then the reason that it spread, because it was always just in Central Africa before. Yeah. Now suddenly it's in West Africa. The, um, the March 2014 outbreak started in Guinea. Um, they think that it's because the fruit bat's migration patterns might be shifting because of climate change. So that could be fostering the spread of Ebola. I hadn't heard that. One of the other problems with this is that um, there's a very uh, widespread lack of trust for the governments of West African countries. And um, so th- there's a lot of misunderstanding, misinformation. There's very little trust for the World Health Authorities. Um, there's very little trust for the government. Some of the governments are using it as political tools like um, – yeah. And I think Sierra Leone—they call it East Ebola—because the government in power, their main opposition stronghold is in the east, so they're wow. blaming the east on Ebola. It's just there's a lot of stuff going on over there that's not helping with this particular outbreak right now.
2: Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about it start this strain uh, or this outbreak started in Guinea. Uh, they think they've traced traced it back to patient zero, a two-year-old patient there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about eight months ago. Um, they think that this toddler died, they, she suffered from uh, fever and black stool and vomiting, and then died on December 6th of last year, uh, even though they don't know how she got it. And then shortly after, her mother died on December 13th, then her three-year-old sister died on December 29th, and then her grandmother died on January 1st. Uh, and this is all in the village of, uh, I know I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's Melian and nice. That's my, my best effort there.
0: In, uh, Guinea?
2: Yeah, and then that's, that's, that area is really close to the Sierra Leone and Liberia borders, which explains a lot. Mm-hmm. And then it spread outside their village to people that attended the grandmother's funeral, because, of course, again, they had close contact with the body. Mm-hmm. And then two of those funeral attendees, uh, brought that back to their village, then healthcare workers there and family members, uh, got sick. And, uh, a healthcare worker in Guaikadu is, uh, was suspected to have triggered the spread to three other villages in February of this year. Oh man. And that just shows, man, uh, again, just like in contagion, it's just like from person to person. And all of a sudden it's in places nowhere close to where it started. Right. And then all of a sudden it's in places not super far from where it started.
0: Yeah. Did you know that there, did you hear about the healthcare bots? That caught the outbreak before the announcement. No, there, there's these bots. I can't remember the name of the company that runs them, but they're basically just their job is to just scan the internet, scan journal articles, scan um, news. They're probably hitting the deep web, I would guess, and they're looking for any and all mentions of things um, uh, that have to do with outbreaks. I think healthcare stuff in general. But nine days before the announcement by the Guinea authorities, um, these bots caught this outbreak. In that area. Nine days. Wow. That's pretty impressive stuff and hopefully will come in in handy further down the road when people learn to trust that.
2: Yeah, but still this one's been the the worst yet Uh, and one of the scariest reasons is because it's happening so fast. Um, the, The common methods we have for dealing with it aren't working quick enough.
0: Well, the common methods we have for dealing with it are as follows. Like you said, there's no There's no way to, to, well, there are, there are ways, there's tests that show this is Ebola. They're tough to get to these areas. So it's mostly, you know, um, shoe leather diagnoses, I guess. Um, and then the other aspect of it is that there's no treatment aside from rehydration. Like consider that, Chuck. Like if you're struck down with Ebola, guess what treatment they give you? IV fluids. Yeah. That's it. They yeah. isolate you and give you IV fluids to try to replenish what you're vomiting out, diarrheaing out, and um, losing in sweat.
2: Yeah, that's the treatment. Well, it was until about five hours ago. Yeah. Uh Yeah. This. um I wish we had some sort of a a newswire.
0: Oh, we do. We do. Jerry knows one. Remember when I went? Yeah. And then she had one accompanying. And man, it might not even be out yet. So let's debut it right now, Chuck.
2: This is Fresh Off the Wire uh, via CNN. Um, what they have now are an experimental serum um, called ZMAP, and it's made by MAP Biopharmaceutical. Um, I'm not sure where they're located, but there's another, uh, another one called Kentucky Bioprocessing, which manufactures another version of the drug, and they're the ones who are making this brand-new very experimental drug and so new, so experimental that this week the World Health Organization had to get a group of ethicists together to say, should we use this stuff? Because the, the normal testing process is way, way longer than what they've got time-wise. So can we speed this through? Should we use it? The, the WHO panel said unanimously, yes, it's ethical. We've got to do something. I think the UN came on board just a few hours ago as well. And so they treated, um, the two Americans, Dr. Kent Brantley and Nancy Wrightbull. They are recovering, but sadly, uh, Miguel Pajares, the Spanish priest died this morning, even though he was treated with the ZMAP as well.
0: So it has a two thirds success rate at this point.
2: So far, but that's the deal with experimental drugs is they don't know if it's going to work or how it's going to work or who it's going to work on. Yeah. Um, it's a, a sort of an ethical quandary, because if there's already people saying, well, you've used it on these Americans, uh, why haven't you used it in Liberia? It's sort of a, a no-win situation this early, because if they had died, uh, and this is from Paul Root Wolpe. He's the director for ethics at Emory here in Atlanta. He said, you know, if it had killed both these Americans, people wouldn't be saying anything. But because it worked, they're saying, why isn't it being used in Africa? He said, but if we would have taken it to Africa and it killed them, they would have said Americans are experimenting this drug on poor Africans.
0: Well, the the way they've done it then is exactly right. They experimented with uh, Americans and then shipped the rest of it to Liberia. So Liberia has the remaining stock of Zmap right now. There's no more of it in the US. It's all in Liberia.
2: Yeah, they applied for it and they're like you said, they've got it all and they're already out and
0: uh it takes a while to make. Well, it's, it they've figured out some ways to make it even faster. So what um Zmap is is called a uh, monoclonal antibody treatment therapy. Basically, um they they introduce something like Ebola into, in this case, a tobacco plant, and they create antibodies. The plant creates antibodies to the virus. Yeah. And then they say, okay, these are the antibodies we need for Ebola. Let's synthesize them. And they make synthetic antibodies. And they take those synthetic antibodies, the monoclonal antibodies, and they inject them into you, the Ebola patient, and these antibodies go in and mimic your body's immune response. Which in turn mounts a real immune response and then fights off the Ebola virus. And they don't just use it for Ebola. They they try this on cancer, on all sorts of other viruses. Sure. So monoclonal antibody therapy isn't new, but using it against Ebola, the specific one for Ebola is new. Yeah. And then also using tobacco plants... As the, the um, source of the antibodies. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's fairly new, too. Wow. But it makes it so that you can turn it over a lot faster. Wow. Pretty cool stuff.
2: Yeah, that is very cool. Uh, but like we said, it's so new. I mean, they've literally just treated these few patients, and um, one of them died, so uh, the jury is out. And in the coming days, we're going to learn a lot more about ZMAP.
0: Yeah. So hopefully it'll save Liberia.
2: Yeah, they've, um, I never knew this either, Uh, an outbreak is considered over after there have been 42 days straight, uh, which is double the incubation period um, without any new cases. Gotcha. So um, everyone's hoping for that 42-day period very
0: soon. Nice. I'm hoping for it. You got anything else? No. Did we ever mention Marburg virus? No, that is a a cousin that is also deadly, right? It's the other... It's the other non-Ebola virus in the phylovirus family. Right. It is deadly, but it's extraordinarily rare. Yeah. It's named after a German town where there's an outbreak in the sixties because of some monkeys that were shipped for testing. Wow. So
2: I guess that's a, a disease naming convention here. Uh, is it they, or everywhere? Is it yeah. they name it after where it started? Yeah. Reston,
0: that Ebola, Marburg. Yeah. Zaire. Yeah. There you have it. That's up to the date Ebola info. Yes uh i don't have anything else you don't either
2: no but you know what you guys if you want to follow this um we should follow up in our video series uh you better believe it that you can find on our youtube channel um we use that we take you in the studio to kind of follow up on some stories Mm -hmm. talk about newsy items or make corrections
0: and it comes out every monday yeah
2: and uh you can go to see that at uh i think is our youtube channel josh and chuck yep yeah so we'll follow up on this as things develop good thinking
0: chuck Uh, If you want to learn more about the ins and outs of Ebola, you can type Ebola into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail.
2: Uh, I'm going to call this uh, guy making a move. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Corey Barker wrote us in and says, Hey, I just want to thank you guys, um, first of all, for all the hard work you do, and also for inspiring me to make a move in my career. Uh, My day job involves a completely ridiculous amount of driving, you guys have always been instrumental in keeping me awake. Um, I've had people tell me on and off for years, you should do radio, uh, because Corey's got a great voice. He said I would always kind of scoff and think how impossible that would be. But recently, I decided that I would try it out. I invested in some decent studio recording equipment, made a few audition tapes, or I guess digital files. Yeah. And uh, as of last week, I signed my first audiobook contract.
0: Ta-da! Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. I'm gonna, like I'm going to do this. <laughs> You can. Is it that easy? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's easy. I think you have to have some talent, but I think there's plenty of of self-published authors on Amazon who are looking for people to make uh, audiobook versions of their stuff.
2: That's awesome. Well, that's what he did. He said said we deserve a lot of credit uh, since if I didn't listen so much to audio while driving, I would never have uh, decided to take this plunge. Anyway, I decided I would try to repay a slight amount of what I've received from you guys by creating an ad that you could force all the other Stuff Podcasts to play.
0: I think this is a good idea.
2: If you like it, use it as much as you want. I surrender all rights. Uh, keep on trucking. <laughs> you will always have at least one listener, and that is Corey Barker. Uh, and you said, P.S., I've decided to start writing again as well, thanks to you guys, uh, because your episodes have spawned some amazing short story ideas. So, uh, Corey, let's go ahead and hear your ad for Stuff You Should Know right now.
0: Enrich your mind, explore new horizons, and learn about the world around you. Stuff You Should Know, Tuesdays and Thursdays on HowStuffWorks.com. Man, how about that? Thank you, Corey. Good voice. I don't blame you. We are going to totally oppress the other podcast with this
2: yeah and i told him to listen out for this and he wrote back saying i'll make sure i have an extra pair of underwear to change into for when i get this on the air awesome
0: <laughs> which is really gross stuff it into your front shirt pocket <laughs> oh my gosh the clean pair chuck oh okay If you want to get all excited like Corey, uh, you can share your excitement with us on Twitter at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. And as always, hang out with us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
2: Hey, everyone. The Easter Bunny is coming early this year. That's right. Easter is Sunday, March 31st. And with free in-store pickups, CVS makes it easy to get everything you need for brilliant baskets and happier hunts. You can find delightful toys, Peeps-themed egg decorators, pre-filled Easter eggs packed with goodies, and so much more. So hop to it and get your order fast with free CVS pickup. Visit cvs.com Easter for details.